0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back to the Guys and Ties podcast. This is Dustin. I've got Rob on the phone. We've been away for a while. Not totally our fault. We just, you know, schedules didn't align up. But, you know, to be honest, I didn't really miss talking about Virginia football during that time. You know, we've lost two bad games during that time, a loss to NC State and a loss to Wake Forest. Rob, how are you doing besides the fact that our football team might not be good this season?
1: I mean, other than that, it, I'm doing great, man. was on vacation last week and I'm back to the grind now. But mm-hmm. yeah, it is kind of crazy to think about, man. Like Last time we recorded two weeks ago, I was feeling pretty good coming off of Clemson, man. I mean, we gave Clemson a scare and now here we
0: are. <laughs> I mean, I hate this term, but I think it was Clemson was a good loss. Like it was like, wow, this team might be really decent, and um, and now we know that we might not be decent. We've lost to two teams that we both thought we should have beaten, Uh, two teams that a lot of people, I think, before the season, UVA had pegged to, you know, beat pretty soundly because not because of the offense, but because of the defense. Uh, And we're gonna talk about how the defense and kind of where those troubles are and maybe what some of the things the offense could do to kind of get a kickstart. But uh, first, I just want to mention that Rob and I also released a special bonus pod yesterday. Not quite bonus content, if you get my drift, but definitely a bonus podcast. And um, we were working with the Alumni Association for Homecomings Week. We did a special podcast about all of our favorite homecomings memories over the past 10 years and we talked about some non-revenue sports as well we talked a lot of football and we had a good time with it so if you haven't listened to that make sure to check it out it was released yesterday at noon and we'll keep pushing that throughout homecomings week but yeah it was it was fun to kind of dive back into some really bad homecomings football games
1: yeah i couldn't have said it better myself man it looked (laughs) a lot like the games we've seen the past two weeks yeah
0: yeah i would say yeah it was was like too soon really to be talking about it (laughs) But before we get into talking about the Wake Forest game and maybe what we're looking for for the rest of the season, I want to talk about our sponsor, Bet Online. The wait is finally over. A triple header of fun is upon us this week. Football is in full effect with many teams strutting their stuff, and now the MLB uh, Finals are in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in the in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today to use the promo code Armchair to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. wake forest this past saturday we're recording on tuesday the 20th of october and lose 23 to 14 the who's go down 14 to 3 at the end of the first quarter but we catch back up and we're tied 20 to 20 in the at halftime but rob it just kind of went downhill from there what exactly happened
1: You know, a lot of bad happened, but also really, you know, some good happened, too. You know, you talk about the bad starts. UVA had another very bad start this game, falling behind 14 nothing, And, you know, really the first five minutes, um, things got out of hand there pretty quickly. But, you know, they came back, and they came back pretty quickly. Like you said, tied at halftime, and it had almost that feel going into halftime of, you know, I remember the big thing when Bronco came here is he said, you know, these guys have been losing for so long, they got to learn how to win. And he talked about resiliency, you know, when the players and the team are this down, you know, can you get back up and you still believe you're going to win? And this team did that. But what we saw is just two absolutely backbreaking mistakes that really, really cost UVA. You know, one being the missed run fit by D'Angelo Amos on the 75-yard touchdown run. And the next being the ensuing kickoff, the muff kick by Paris Jones. Uh, Wake Forest goes and turns that into a touchdown as well. So what we really saw was, you know, an obviously shorthanded UVA team without Britton Armstrong and really a shorthanded secondary as the game went on, you know, losing Joey Blunt, Britton Nelson and Devontae Cross to injuries. We saw a really shorthanded UVA team, but they came out with a plan that could have won. But yeah, I mean, those backbreaking mistakes, and there were certainly plenty of other misplays. You know, a touchdown throw was missed by Lindell Stone. Um, you know, there was some big kick plays in the passing game again. You know, there's a lot to chalk it up to, but at the same time, you know, that sequence there, you know, both right out of the gates and then that 14-point swing in the second half, you know, really, really easy to just pin the game on those because they were so pivotal to this game.
0: Right, because in the in the second half we were tied with Wake twenty three twenty three. In the fourth quarter we were tied with them. And then of course that one play for seventy five yards right after we tie them, and then of course the fumble on the goal line and Wake scores a minute and a half later. So it's a fourteen point swing in less than two minutes. And then that was the end of the game. Uh punt interception and then uh, down on downs it, with three minutes left to go was the end of the game. So I just, you know, it's disappointing to see, like, those two mistakes were so crucial. And it's disappointing knowing that we also had so many guys out with injury. You know, you think of Brennan Armstrong with the con- concussion protocol and, of course, all the guys who went out during that game. It, Rob, do you think that, you know, I mentioned Brennan Armstrong being out. Is this was Lindell Stone's quarterback play okay? Did it hurt the team? Do you think that we should move on to maybe Ira Armstead or maybe look to Keontae Thompson uh, as more of a quarterback as, you know, the weeks go on?
1: Yeah, you know, you do have to give credit where credit is due first off. The three quarterback system actually worked pretty effectively there for a while Uh when Virginia was able to pick up yards on first down and keep it in second and third and manageable, you know, that rotation really worked where they really struggled is when the first down play was stopped for no gain. And all of a sudden it's second and 10. And, you know, that kind of puts the pressure on Lindell stone to have to complete a pass. But if first down was effective, this three quarterback rotation really worked quite well. I don't know how sustainable it is, but it worked quite well against Wake Forest. Um, but yeah, I mean, quarterbacks in general, you obviously want to get Brennan Armstrong back. You know, he has, uh, probably the highest floor, also the highest ceiling of anyone in that room, um, really fits what they're trying to do offensively. You know, you just hope this concussion doesn't drag on for too long. Um, really for his own sake, as much as the team's, as far as Lindell Stone, you know, he's exactly what you'd expect from a guy that most people thought was going to be the third string quarterback most of the season. You know, we knew he probably wasn't a starter level talent. Um, You know, you can see he knows the offense well, but at the same time, you know, there's just a ceiling with him, just with his physical limitations as far as throwing the ball um, that, you know, really, I feel like it's not going to get too much better from Wake Forest or really even from what NC state we saw the week before. So, yeah, I mean, at some point I think we're going to have to kind of make a determination on the season. And, you know, certainly something worth talking about this episode is, you know, where do we go from here? This team is one in three when we really expected them to be three in one. You have two ranked games up next and Miami and North Carolina, you know, a one in five start is, you know, realistic, if not probable at this point. Mm-hmm. So looking at that, you know, we don't know when Brennan's going to come back. When Brennan comes back, he certainly want to put him in. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's crazy to say that, you know, at some point it might start making sense to give Ira Armstead a bit more of a look here.
0: Yeah, and, you know, if, if we're looking at Lindell's performance over the course of, you know, the two games that he's played, in looking back to NC State, you know, his stat line doesn't seem too bad. Um, 30 of 54, that's a lot of... A lot of passes for Lindell, but 240 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. So not terrible for sure, but definitely, you know, not exactly what we want, you know. And then, of course, this game where Lindell throws 24-42, 193 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. So it seems like... And, of course, Ira Armstead only throws one pass, or he throws three passes, but he only completes one, one of three for nine yards. And uh, Keontae Thompson does not throw any passes, but he runs the ball 10 times for 71 yards with a 7.1 average. Ira Armstead actually runs the ball for a 7.7 average with that touchdown uh, right near the goal line, of course. So, you know, do we go to more of an option team? Is this gonna where we're going, or do you think that we're going to just – roll with Lindell because I mean in all fairness you know we don't really have a running bag unless of course Ronnie Walker is able to play this upcoming week who might be able to do the you know a an option re, a read option more effectively than probably Wayne would
1: Yeah, I mean, certainly more of the playbook opens up when you have a running quarterback in there. And that's kind of what Bronco has been preaching since day one and, you know, what made Bryce Perkins so valuable. Um, You know, the thing that we should say, if it's not already clear, is that Keaton Thompson, from what we're told, just is not a viable quarterback for this team. He had an injury to his throwing shoulder uh, during summer camp. We don't really know when it occurred in camp or how severe it is, we're told that he can throw on occasion, but just cannot throw at the volume necessary needed to be a consistent quarterback for this team. So, you know, this is exactly the situation why we brought Keeton Thompson in in case there was an injury to Brennan Armstrong to have another high level quarterback roster. And so it's of course, a shame to see um, him not being available really outside of design runs from the quarterback position. Um, but yeah, I mean, having a running quarterback opens up a lot more options and, you know, poor Lindell Stone, you know, he'll get out and they'll see open field and he'll stumble for five yards and he will just like fall forward, yeah, you fall know, forward. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, certainly having those two guys is, uh, better in that sense from the rushing attack and certainly opened up more options. Hopefully when we do get Ronnie Walker back soon, um. And, you know, you can see Ira's a pretty skinny guy, he's a true freshman right now, but dude has wheels and can fly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it makes sense to give him more reps in the playbook because, you know, not only was he a true freshman that was, you know, when camp started fourth on the depth chart, Um, you know, he was also hurt two weeks ago too. He didn't suit up against NC State. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's still a lot of catching up for him to do. So I'm sure his playbook nearly, or isn't nearly as big, as it would be with, um, you know, Lindell Stone, for example. So, you know, all of that to say is, you know, there's a lot of thought that needs to be put into this quarterback position right now. And, you know, this under the assumption that Brennan Armstrong is out for the foreseeable future. And, you know, Bronco hinted at his press conference on Monday that we could see something similar as far as a three quarterback rotation goes against Miami. But, you know, as we all know, <laughs> we've been through the Mike London years. We have multiple quarterbacks, you don't have any. You know, eventually you want to settle on one guy and hey, I'm not opposed I'm not, you know, pounding my fist on the table yet, asking for Ira Armstead, but you know, if this team goes one in five, one in six and Brendan Armstrong's still out, it may be time to start looking ahead to the future there.
0: Yeah, and I mean here's my thought, you know, I'm gonna just say it, I don't think this team is you know, looking ahead to the future and thinking Lindell Stone is the future of this team. Uh, in all honesty, I think that they're looking at Ira Armstead and thinking this is this is the future of our team, especially if they're giving him reps under the center this early on. And I know he's not throwing a lot of balls. I know that, you know, he probably doesn't have a great handle of the playbook yet. I can imagine that they're, they're going to ease him into it. But if next week during Miami, if we're getting destroyed and that Miami defense is not able to, um, is able to just hold Lindell to you know nothing and he's throwing interceptions, I think it's time to try Ira Armstead and see what happens. You know, there's been plenty of times against UVA when teams have been losing, pulled their quarterback and put a new one in and that we haven't planned for and it goes terribly for us that's happened a couple times during in my recent memory at least and I I'm sure that if you put Ira Armstead in as the starter that's going to throw a wrench in Miami's defensive game plan because they're not planning for a running quarterback they're planning for Lindell Stone uh who who a running quarterback he is not uh even though he he's been playing decently in 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 spot minutes you know so that's my feeling and I don't know what what Bronco and Co. will do, but that's kind of my hope is that they give our Armstead a a chance. Now, would that be, you know, throwing him into the the ocean, sink or swim against a really good Miami team? Maybe, but you know, at this point, I don't really know what else to do because I'm not I'm not sold on Lindell, and I don't honestly. From what I've seen from Brennan, I'm not totally sold on Brennan either.
1: yeah, and I think you know one place or one thing we should say to ground the conversation is that you know, I trust Jason Beck, you mm-hmm. know Jason Beck has right. done a tremendous job through four seasons between Kurt VanKert and Bryce Perkins. and honestly, if the succession planning didn't look bad coming into the season here at quarterback, mm-hmm. you know you had Brennan Armstrong. You know, we thought we would have Keeton Thompson. Ira Armstead's a freshman. And next year's class, they're bringing in two good quarterbacks and Jay Wolfock and Jacob Rodriguez. So, you know, this took, I feel like the staff by as much surprise as it did everything else, you know, having Brennan go out, having Keeton Thompson not be able to play. Mm-hmm. So really having your two options gone two weeks into the season. Um, so, you know, it just kind of is what it is. Um, so yeah, I mean, whatever decisions happen, you know, I got to say, I do trust Jason Beck, but I mean, certainly when you look in the future, you know, Lindell Stone obviously is not the future. He's a redshirt junior. Um, and really, you know, a Jeff White article last week kind of hinted that, you know, we're not even sure he'll come back for a fifth year next year. You know, he might try to just go straight, uh, to the grad assistant route. Um, which is essentially the role he serves as now or served at before pressing the action. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it certainly makes sense to start looking ahead a little bit. And, you know, you can even see that on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, two players that Bronco praised a bit this past week were Ventrell um, Cypress, who's a redshirt freshman, and Antonio Clary, who's a true sophomore. Now, Clary's a safety. Um, he played, he had a rough game against NC State, but by all accounts, played pretty well, I think, against Wake Forest. Cypress was pressed into action, seemed to play pretty well against Wake Forest as well. And, you know, I mean, looking at the defensive line, you've got Jameer Carter and Lucy Milani getting, uh, a lot of snaps in there. You know, Jawan Briggs is leading the team in sacks right now as the nose tackle. He's a sophomore. So, you know, I don't want to throw in the towel on the season just yet. And I can promise you the coaches, you know they'll never say we're throwing in the towel but at some point here you yeah. know depending on how the rest of the season goes you know especially these next 2 weeks and what type of progress we see um you know the mindset might shift a little bit and it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world i'd say um to kind of have that change in mindset especially in a season that is just kind of marred by covid anyway
0: Right. And, you know, I, I I agree with you. I think that we should trust this coaching staff. They've done nothing but good things for us since they got here. You know, the first season was forgettable, but they needed a hard reset. And after that, you know, they brought in two uh, uh, transfer quarterbacks who are both really good for us. Uh, Kurt Benkert set records passing. So did uh, Bryce Perkins. And now, you know, you bring in another transfer quarterback and he's unable to play. It's just been kind of a terrible situation. You mentioned COVID and how the season's been marred by COVID. Do you think that the COVID protocols that this team has been going through has something to do with it? Maybe like a mental uh, aspect to the game. Maybe they haven't been able to practice in the way that they would truly want to. How do you think that the COVID protocols that this team has been going through are affecting the players?
1: Yeah, you know, I don't think it's the protocols themselves that are hurting the players. I think what really hurt this program, or this team at least, is not having an off offseason. Yeah. You know, this is still a will over skill team. We have some talented players on this team, but top to bottom on the roster, this is still a roster made up of you know, mostly three star recruits. Talent wise, UVA is not going to compete man for man with a lot of teams in the ACC. And that's fine. It was that way last year, too. Although Bryce Perkins helped overshadow that. Right. But that's how it was last year. So I think getting rid of spring practice, you know, getting rid of the summer offseason conditioning program. I think those are certainly ways we can say, you know, in our heads, to try to justify a bit what's happening this year. You know, this was a team that, you know, complementary football is what Bronco preaches. And, you know, it's all out of sorts right now. The depth is weird. They're giving up big plays here. You know, they're missing tackles, you know, maybe if they had a full strength and conditioning um, regimen this summer, that wouldn't be the case, you know? So I don't think any of the protocols they put in place is really doing anything. And, you know, I'm still pretty proud of the team and the way they've handled COVID and mm-hmm. taking precautions and everything, but, you know, getting rid of that development this summer, I think really hurt and spring practice as well, just because while it is a somewhat senior, um, you know, upperclassmen, at least heavy team, you know, this is a will over skill program and development is what this team and what this coaching staff is about. So they certainly lost out on, you know, four or five months of that this summer.
0: Yeah. I think that's a great point to bring up having not not having the a true off season, and you know, if you look in all the games, it really the Duke game. We I feel like we played well. The Clemson game, I feel like we also played well, and we're well prepared for that. The NC State game, you know, Brennan gets hurt early on, goes out with a concussion. Lindell comes in. It we feel kind of unprepared for that, as well as you know what for whatever reason it seems like the defense was not super in the game you know it never felt like we were really mentally there for that game and then the wake forest game comes you know we're tied 23 in the fourth quarter and then those two plays happen bang bang and all of a sudden we're down by 14 so In a sense, we've been in all these games and there's good reasons for all these losses. You know, the Clemson loss is is just Clemson. Uh, You don't have to say anything else about that. But besides that, I feel like this team has not really quit this season, which is great. And this team is also going against a Miami team that we have had uh, really good games against over the past couple of years. You know, last year's game was... Gross and some nonsense. One of the worst games I've seen Bryce Perkins play in his career was that game, um, as well as the game against Indiana. His first year at UVA, but you know, just looking at this Miami team moving forward, Derek King has a thousand yards, over a thousand yards passing through five games, and also over two hundred fifty yards rushing. He has ten touchdowns to four interceptions. How does this defense stop this Miami offense? Because this Miami offense has been rolling through its opponents, scoring uh, no less than 31 points in each of its games.
1: Yeah, I mean, you bring up the Miami offense, and to me this UVA defense is really the biggest disappointment yes. of the season. You know, We knew the offense was going to be a bit in transition, You know, even before Brendan Armstrong got hurt. We knew it was going to be a bit of a transition here. But this defense was supposed to be really, really good. And they just haven't been, you know, they played okay against the run against wake forest, but they gave up, you know, one missed run fit gives up 75 yard touchdown run. And, you know, all that goes out the window with that. And in the secondary, you know, we saw players go down last year and it was easy to attribute kind of the long pass plays that we saw our opponents have, you know, really to those injuries. But this year, you know, at least the first couple of games, everyone was back, you know, you bring back Joey blunt, um, You know, Bryn Nelson, D'Angelo Amos had NFL draft buzz even while he was at JMU. And, you know, you bring these guys back and they're still giving up these big plays. And now a lot of these guys are hurt. So, you know, to me, I just want to say, you know, before even diving into Miami, to me, that's been the most disappointing part of the season. You know, this is a defensive team, defensive coaching staff. They have really, really underwhelmed so far this year. Mm -hmm. Now, with respect to Miami, I mean, Miami definitely concerns me. And Derek King is a fantastic quarterback. Uh And, you know, he can sling the ball around um, with the best of them. But, you know, what really worries me is his ability to to extend plays um, with his legs. And we saw that a bit with Trevor Lawrence. You know, Trevor Lawrence, Mm -hmm. for as good of a thrower he is, he's probably underrated uh, as an athlete. You know, he can run the ball too. He never has to run. He
0: never has to run. He just throws the the ball all the time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. But yeah, I mean, looking against Miami, that's what really concerns me because our defensive line has held its own, but the linebackers have really, really underwhelmed this season. And, you know, this would be a game where you'd really count on Noah Taylor and Charles Snowden getting home or at the very, very least, just keeping Derek King in the pocket. But I'm not sure we can count on that. And you look at our middle linebackers, Mick Jackson and Zane Zandier, they're great going downhill. You know, they're great on blitzes, they're great against the run, but the minute you start moving them laterally or putting them in coverage, they struggle. So Derek King's ability to move around and extend plays to me is really, really worrisome um from the UVA perspective. You know, I could certainly see this being a game where UVA struggles. And, you know, not even to mention um, you know, like you said, Miami scores so many points a game this offense is going to struggle again to score points. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would expect Miami to at least hit that 31 number you talked about, if not uh, exceed it. Yep. So, you know, this this game is going to put stress on UVA across the board. And it's, it's a game that, you know, coming into the season, I thought Miami might have been a little overhyped. I thought, you know, UVA has hung with Miami traditionally in the past pretty well. But, man, I mean, I look at this matchup, and this is going to be a really, really tough one here for UVA.
0: Yeah, it's going to be difficult, and, you know, it's going to be in Miami as well. It is our homecomings game, which is, you know, fun (laughs) because it's usually at home, but this year it's in Miami. Thank you, COVID. And it's just, you know, it's going to be tough to, to stick with them. If our defense is unable to keep them from scoring, I just don't I don't have a ton of faith in our offense. And you know, our, our last last 3 or 4 games this season, 23 points against Wake Forest, 21 points against NC State, 23 points against Clemson, 20 points against Duke. Very consistent uh in the 20s, but unable to win except for Oh no, sorry. We scored 38 against Duke. That's my bad. I was looking at the wrong number. Uh, We only allowed Duke to score 20. But that 38 against Duke was the highest that we've scored. And since then, we've scored 23, 21, and 23. It's just been, we haven't been able to score. I I will say one of those games was against the number one team in the country with a really good defense. And then one of them, our quarterback, our starting quarterback got injured. And the next one, our starting quarterback was still injured. There are excuses, but we got to be realistic here like the over the over under for this game is set at 58.5. I think that it only hits over if Miami just scores a button of points.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you know, saying you got to be fair with, you know, the starting quarterback injuries, but well, we also have to be fair with that 38 points. You know, most of those points came off of turnovers on really short fields, yeah. you know, UVA forced seven turnovers in that game. They've only had, one turnover since in the past three games, a Devontae cross interception against NC State. So this defense, you know, not only are they giving up big plays, but they just haven't been forcing turnovers since that first week. And that matters so much. And, you know, I know we've talked about it before, but that 2018 defense was pretty stingy. But what made them so good is, you know, they forced so many turnovers between Juan Thornhill and Joey Blunt. Uh, you know, Bryce Hall, even Tim Harris a bit, you know, they were getting a lot of interceptions and this team just hasn't been, and we've been losing the turnover battle consistently since that first week. So, you know, that's, that's another thing here, you know, how do you knock off a ranked team on the road? Well, you would think you'd want to get some turnovers, right? Mm-hmm. But This defense just really hasn't been able to. And I mean, heck, we don't even know who's going to be available in the secondary against Miami. You know, we talked about Clary and Cypress earlier, those two guys could be getting a lot of run, for all we know, against Miami. So, you know, they're just concerns across the board with this defense. And, you know, I don't think I'm being overly critical, saying they really have not lived up to expectations so far.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Rob, bit of trivia for you. Do you know when the last time Virginia beat a ranked team on the road was?
1: On the road? Um, No, I don't
0: I don't either, but I just—I was curious if you knew. <laughs> if anyone knows that, let us know. i, yeah, I we'll I, have
1: to go back through the archives. My guess is yeah, that I mean, it's I'm been sure a while. i it's been a
0: while. My guess is maybe—I'm sure—I'm sure it happened during Grow. That would was be my Boise guess. Was Boise
1: State ranked when we beat them a few years ago? That would be my only guess.
0: I don't think so. We want to get in a word from our sponsors over at Bet online the wait is finally over a triple header of fun is upon us this week football is in full effect with many teams strutting their stuff and the MLB finals are in full swing you might want to not be at a game this year but you can still be in on the action at bet online bet online is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on everything imaginable this season from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online head to bet online today to use promo code armchair to take advantage of the great sign up bonuses bet online your online sportsbook experts we are also sponsored by manscaped Listen up, fellas, because today we have a new Manscaped product alert. Manscaped just released the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer. Take a look in the mirror, and I guarantee you'll see hair sticking out of those holes. It's time to keep your ear and nose hair looking as nice as your clean-shaven balls. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Weed Whacker. This nose and hair trimmer provides propriety skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system. It's intelligently contoured design enhances the trimming experience and it is waterproof which makes it for easy operation and cleaning. The only nose hair trimmer on the market with a powerful and rechargeable lithium-ion battery that lasts for up to 90 minutes of use. Have you ever pulled your nose hairs out with your fingers? That might hurt, hurt worse. Than cutting your balls. Manscaped is making whacking your weeds a time to look forward to delivering maximum confidence while providing hygiene. Yes, you will will get a replaceable blade every three months to keep your weed whacking time clean and enjoyable. Look, fellas, 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. It's time to upgrade your Manscaped routine with the weed whacker. Get 20% off and free shipping with code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code armchair. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds. So uh, while I was reading that amazing ad, Rob actually Googled the answer to my question, which is technically cheating in trivia, but my guess was that it was during the Grow Era. Rob, I don't know if you had a guess, but what is the correct answer for those out there listening? For when was the last time, sorry, when was the last time a UVA football team beat a ranked road opponent?
1: Yeah, it was 2011 uh, against number 25 Florida State. So that was that Mike London year, that really close game. And then before that, it was 2008 um, on the road against number 18 Georgia Tech. Virginia wins with a big game from Cedric Pierman. yeah, needless to say, it's been nine years since UVA has won a game on the road against a ranked opponent. So, yeah, I mean, certainly, certainly a tall task ahead this weekend against you know, a pretty good Miami team. Now, if this game, you know, coming into the season, I should say at least, I felt like Virginia had a chance in this game. And if this, if this game, like you said, if you remember, we played this on the road last year. So under the normal schedule, we would have played this at home this year. Mm -hmm. So if you tell them what it told me, this game was at home in front of fans and, you know, Brennan Armstrong would have been playing, you know, kind of how we expected in the first week, uh, then, you know, this is a game I totally thought UVA had a chance against. Now, I don't think Miami is back back necessarily, you know, Clemson kind of put an end to that, but this is a good Miami team and, you know, Miami has their ebbs and flows, but, you know, I think this is justifiably, you know, a top 15, top 20 ranked Miami team. So it's, it's tall order ahead for UVA. And in order to beat them, you know, you're going to have to have someone step up, you know, it's got to be, there's got to be turnover. Someone on the defense is going to have to make plays on the offense. You know, if Ronnie Walker can play, does he add a little bit of a dynamic ability or if not, you know, at the receiver position, we don't really have a ton of speed at receiver, but, you know, is there enough there to, you know, at least be sound and maybe Lavelle Davis get some jump balls or maybe we can finally hit one of those tunnel screens to Billy Kemp? You know, something good is going to have to happen. And, you know, what I keep reading on the message boards and what I think carries some weight is, you know, there's just not a lot of team speed on this UVA team this year. Mm-hmm. Offensively, there's not right now a quarterback, running back, or receiver. And on defense, you know, we're not – really scaring anyone with our team speed there either so it's certainly a tall order ahead for UVA
0: yeah I agree I think one way in which we can help our chances is by keeping our penalty yards low you know for the past three games we've done pretty well with not having a lot of penalty yards in the Clemson game there was only one penalty for um 15 yards, and then against NC State, there was six penalties for 56 yards, and then against uh, Wake Forest, there was only five penalties for 52 yards. So consistently, this team has been pretty good about keeping penalties down, not getting a lot of penalties, um, and we're certainly going to need to limit mistakes against a really good Miami team that, that will take advantage of turnovers or long third downs or you know anything like that.
1: Yeah, and I mean, speaking of mistakes, that also just screams special teams too. You know, Mm -hmm. what we thought was going to be a pretty sound special teams unit. We were so wrong. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, You know, now Tavares Kelly, he was back returning kicks against Wake Forest and did pretty well in that respect. Um, And, you know, I hope he stays there returning kicks. You know, it seems like he has the most big playability of anyone back there. But, yeah, I mean, field goals, you know, we don't wanna hate on Delaney too much, but Delaney did miss a kick that was makeable. Um, I think that ended his streak at seventeen in a row field goals. So Delaney misses a kick. You know, they pulled Delaney off of kickoff duties, they give Justin Dunkel the kickoff duties and he kicks a ball out of bounds, you know, the week after Delaney kicked a kickoff out of bounds. So you have that going on. And at punt return, you know, Billy Kemp has been solid. Um, he catches everything, but he's not he's just not as much of a threat and actually returning the ball. And, you know, I think we do have to ask ourselves at some point too, you know, how, how much can Billy Kemp take on his plate? Cause Billy Kemp is doing everything right now on offense. Mm-hmm. He's catching almost 10 balls a game. You know, we don't want to kill this guy. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think there's room to, to improve there. And then of course, you know, you have the Paris Jones muff kickoff, which really changed the game on Saturday. So, you know, no. Talk about mistake-free football. It's got to be on special teams, and you know, at least we didn't have to call any timeouts for punts this game. Thank I guess God, that's a thank step
0: goodness up. that was killing me, killing me. The NC State game was infuriating. I mean, thank goodness I didn't have to watch the second half, but um, I I, I was busy with uh, my fiance's birthday. But I mean, that first half was infuriating. I just like you should. That's one of the things that and that's one of the things that would have helped out during a preseason. You know, having a having a couple practices before playing a game in the summer and you know, having more practices is being is knowing who is supposed to be on the field for punts, being aware, being active. And that's something that we really have not seen from this team before, is is silly mistakes like that, which ultimately could have been costly. You know, in the NC state game it was pretty much out of hand for the entire time. Um, or at least it felt that way. But, you know, having timeouts at the end of halves is really important. So, you know, you want to save them and not waste them for having only 10 men on the field on a punt, you know? It's just frustrating, very frustrating, because that's something that usually doesn't happen under this Bronco coach team.
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, the easy explanation is, you know, when those happened, it was when we had several players out due to COVID, yeah. you know, was one of those players on the punt team out with COVID and maybe the other guy wasn't fully red in. I don't know. It's tough to say, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's just been too many mistakes on special teams and, you know, worth noting that Ricky Brumfield, he used to focus exclusively on special teams. Now he's also the full-time tight ends coach. That's a new change this year. You know, the past several years he was only doing special teams. So, I don't know if that plays a role. It might. It might not. But it is something you know worth pointing out as we see these special teams struggle. Just Ricky Brownfield might not have the time to give it the attention that he used to.
0: Right. Yeah. And I just you know I just hope that they can get together because I do believe in this team. I know there's talent on this team that are. I still believe that our linebackers are really good. I think just you know if we get a couple more. Hopefully, we've played enough games where we can actually start to get a rhythm going. It's just, you know, I I feel bad because a lot of these players uh, might not come back next season uh, or might not be able to come back next season. And this, I, I really want them to do well in their last year, uh, especially guys like Jana, especially guys like Snowden, uh, who have really worked hard in this program in the past couple of years and have done really well. I just want them to go out on a strong note. And, you know, this year just sucks, and we got to make the most of it. So hopefully, there's a turnaround against this game at Miami, or maybe next week against our UNC. <laughs> but maybe if not those games, then maybe uh, a Louisville team that has also looked um, uh, exceptionally bad and also very disappointing this year. So hopefully that will be good but not to look ahead too much as we do have a Miami game this week. It is eight o'clock on ACC network so we got that prime time ACC network game you love to see it and uh, we already did the the plus mine or the the over under is at 58.5 the spread has Miami at negative uh, 11.5 uh, I'm not a betting man so I'm not gonna tell you but I'm sure bet online will. Uh, hook you up if you if you have questions about that and uh rob can we talk about basketball to make this a little bit happier i feel like i've been complaining the whole time
1: it's yeah i mean it's been certainly a rough football season and listen i'm never gonna give up on this football team you know i've been to virginia tech games a number of years Mm -hmm. when uva is two and nine and you're just waiting for that 50 to 10 smackdown Mm -hmm. that's coming i'm not giving up on these guys but yeah basketball does lighten the spirits a little bit and it's not that far away
0: no it's not that far away basketball is just around the corner it's about a month away season is slated to start on november 25th i don't know if uva is going to be playing on the 25th but we will certainly be playing around that time so it'll be a happy thanksgiving for all basketball fans and uh, hopefully we'll just spend some time and watch a lot of good basketball um a couple notes about the upcoming season, however, is that um, the the number of maximum games you're allowed to have has been lowered to twenty seven, so teams can have less games, and the number of non conference games that the NCAA is suggesting is at four. So we might see Virginia have less non conference games. Are we going to be playing in that pre in that uh? Season tournament, early season tournament, I don't know. That is yet to be determined. One good, one piece of good news that's come out is that Jay Wright has said publicly that he is really trying to make the Virginia-Villanova game still happen uh, in New York. So hopefully that will go on, and I don't think they'd have fans at that game, but it would still be really cool to see, you know, with, with two really good teams. And we've talked about this before. I love playing Villanova. I think they're a great, great program. Uh, and I hope that we can make this game happen.
1: So do I. I mean, I was so excited when this game got announced, and it's actually really funny. So this might change any minute. I don't know what's happening on the Virginia sports website, but if you Google the UVA men's basketball schedule or, or just pull that up on virginiasports.com, the Villanova game is the only one that's listed on the schedule. Yeah, exactly. It's listed at its previously disclosed date of <laughs> December 19th, which – is probably going to change. I'd be surprised mm-hmm. if it was in Madison square garden, but yeah, I mean, the schedule is definitely in flux right now, you know, at some point they're going to have to release something, but yeah, I'm really curious to see, you know, how they go. And, you know, I'm pretty confident, you know, it's going to happen. You know, we've seen football can go relatively successfully through this. I think basketball is a more manageable sport anyway, uh, with dealing with COVID and, you know, It's just going to look different. And, you know, we see all these preseason tournaments, you know, moving out of Maui into Nashville and, you know, doing all these different things. But, um, you know, I'm certainly on the edge of my seat. And you would think the schedule is going to get released relatively soon.
0: Yeah, it, it should be because we're about a month out. I mean, usually I feel like we, and before this, we, of course, we knew some non conference games, but, you know, the, how long was the how long before the season was the football schedule released this year? Do you remember? Uh
1: it was I think like a little over a month or so.
0: Yes, or maybe a couple of weeks, maybe 3 weeks or so. So I think we're getting close to when they'll have a schedule for us and I'm excited to see what they decide, you know. And uh I think it'll just be really interesting. One last thing of note for UVA basketball fans is that uh CBS Sports picked UVA to win the ACC this year in the preseason poll, uh, that is a little disconcerting for me because that has uh, not happened in recent years. Usually, every year except for the 2016-2017 season, UVA has outperformed their ACC preseason prediction. Um, and so, of course, the 16 17 season was with London and we had a freshman, Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy, and uh, it was just a season where things didn't quite click for the team. Of course, we had the that stupid double overtime loss at Tech with the, when uh, London's shot hung on the rim. It was just a weird season overall. And uh, so that was the only time. I think that team was predicted to finish fourth, and we actually finished sixth. But uh, this year we're predicted number one. So we cannot outperform that. And uh, I think it's a high expectation to live up to. When you got a uh, you know a Duke team that reloads every year, a Louisville team that is uh, getting hot uh, with their new head coach, and a UNC team that is bound to be better than they were last year, as well as an FSU team that won the ACC last year, so I think it'll be a interesting year, and I'm excited to see what the schedule brings us.
1: Definitely, and you know we're gonna be diving into basketball a lot more as we get closer to it. Um, it's certainly an exciting year, and you know you bring in. Sam Hauser and, you know, the rest of the guys on the team getting more experience. You know, this is going to be a really, really good team. So it's I'm really, really excited for it. Um, I know you are, too. Mm-hmm. So it'll it'll be fun as we get closer to that.
0: Yeah, it'll be super fun. And I'm really excited to dive in. I will say I'm nervous about losing Momedy and Braxton. I think two of our better defense two our two best defenders, I would say, um, especially on the and on the interior I'm nervous about losing them, but excited to see what Jay Huff can do in his final season. He's been here five years. You know, it seems like he's been here forever. <laughs> and, uh, has he quite reached his potential? I feel like at the end of last season, he was, you know, really starting to grow. I feel like Kihei really hit his stride mid season last year. I feel like, um, uh, World of Tensai hit his, uh, started hitting a lot, some big shots last season. You Think about the UNC game, think about the Louisville game. And, uh, you know, I just, I'm really excited for this team. I'm excited to see Ham- Sam Hauser play in person. You know, I've only seen him on the TV. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not, I mean, in person, I will probably never see that because of how this season's going to go, but I'm excited to watch him on my team instead of just on highlights. So uh, it's going to be a great year, and uh, I'm excited to see what the schedule is going to look like. Rob, is there anything, any last word you want to throw in about basketball, football, anything you want to mention?
1: Yeah, you know, the only thing, and it applies to both sports, actually, is, you know, looking into basketball this year and then also looking at football as we kind of go through the season. Remember that the NCAA essentially is freezing eligibility this season for these athletes. So the idea of redshirting, you know, unless it's a transfer redshirt rule, you know, which applies to Trey Murphy, then, you know, these guys can play. So I'm really curious to see kind of how this season looks like, you know, as we get further along in football and as we look to basketball, you know, roster management is going to be really interesting to follow this year because it goes against every norm that we've had in the books for so long. So that's just another little wrinkle that we'll certainly get into more as we get closer to the season.
0: You know, I, I really, I thought it was only for winter sports. I wasn't aware that it was also for, uh, for fall sports.
1: Yeah. So that's, that's, been interesting with football you know seeing some guys get some run early and we'll certainly see you know there's no such thing really as burning a red shirt this year but it's interesting to see kind of how many of these freshmen will play and how much
0: yeah no that'll be interesting that'll be great so uh this was a kind of a sad episode to begin but hopefully ended on a good note and uh I'm happy to be doing this again hopefully you know well Rob was on vacation last week so we'll give him a break and uh (laughs) We were unable to schedule. We were unable to schedule before that, but happy to be back. And uh, we'll let you know what we think of what happens on Saturday against Miami, 8 o'clock on ESPN Network, ACC Network. Sorry, not ESPN Network. Goodness, (laughs) that'd be weird uh, being on ESPN. (laughs) And uh, make sure to check out all the uh, other homecomings things that are happening this week with the Alumni Association. They've got a lot of great stuff. We went over all of it in our Homecomings episode, which we released yesterday or on Monday. So go ahead and check that out. And make sure to follow us on Twitter, at Guys and Tie Spot if you don't already. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Snapchat for that bonus content uh, that Rob puts out. And make sure to follow us on iTunes and Spotify if you want to keep listening to us. And we will see you guys next time. Go Hoos, beat Miami.